We are continuing, part, this is part three of our Relational Mission, A Way of Life series. Um, if you haven't got the book, can I urge you to pick it up at a discount rate from the back table? Only four pounds. This is basically these seven chapters, seven main chapters in this explain the seven main values of who we are as a movement of churches. And we've already started what it means to be a family. Last week we were looking at prayer, the prayers of many. And today we're going to talk about something called, we move the chapters out of sequence a little bit. But today's going to be the one called Everyone a Witness. And now Matthew chapter 28, let's just start with the Bible. Always a good place to start. Um, right at the end of Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse 18. It's a well-known verse to many of us, of course. But if we want to know what we're here for, what our purpose in life is as human beings, as Christians, as humanity that being released to find out and discover what it means to be truly, fully human, we've got a job to do while we're here, haven't we? In verse 18, amen, says Wally. In verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, to the 11 disciples, says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, as if that's an obvious imperative. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, because of that, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make disciples, teaching them to do everything I've commanded you, to pass it on, pass on a legacy. And then in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, again Jesus says to the same guys, to the disciples, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let me just pray first. Lord, you've left us with a job to do, to be making disciples, baptizing them, teaching, you, uh, teaching them to uh, pass on what we've, been, what we've received in time over the centuries via the disciples. It's become this generational legacy that you've given us, this mission and it's to be witnesses across the world for you. You are the Son of God. We declare you to be so. And it's not a secret we're meant to keep to ourselves. It's a good news that we're meant to shout out. So I just pray, as, uh, each one of us, as we listen to this and what you have to say through your word here, I just pray that you'll help us to, uh, at least all of us, go away with something, something we can grasp, something we've learnt that we can run with for your glory and for the making of disciples and the building of your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today's going to be a little bit different. Uh, it's going to be hopefully a little bit more practical, just lo- looking at tools we can use. Um, evangelism is our main job, if you like. Disciple making. And discipleship doesn't just start with the people you've got. That's a vital part of it. We all need to help each other, encourage one another into maturity, and knowing Christ more. But it's all about making new babies. It's about the family to be growing, to have more people to disciple, especially across, of course, then the generations. But evangelism as a principle and as a command, effectively, is it's quite daunting, isn't it? It's be quite scary. Yeah? We can be easily put off. How easily can we find excuses not to speak up or do something when we should do? But that's where I trust this morning will come in. With this book, the best way of summing up 
the vision of what Relational Mission, our family of churches, stands for is really easy to remember. E plus E equals C. That is the vision, bear with me, that is the vision of relational mission. That is what we are gunning for, for Christ. E plus E equals C. The first E is enough. This isn't just about the three enough events during the year where we gather together to pray together, 7th of July, don't forget. It's about a culture of prayer. That when God's people get on their knees together in prayer, crying out that we have had enough of what's going on around the world around us, but we know that you are enough to deal with it and bring glory to yourself through the building of your church and the advancement of your kingdom. It's about enough is about a culture of prayer rising. There's a rising tide of prayer in the churches across the UK and it's going on within relational mission at the moment. So enough is part of our vision. It's really, really, really important. Prayer is our biggest weapon. Enough, E plus E. The second E is everyone a witness. It's a banner, a banner umbrella, if you like, about how to encourage all of us to be evangelists. All of us to be witnessing for Christ in different ways. And when you put those two together, E plus E, enough, a culture of prayer, evangelism, everyone a witness, equals C, church planting. That's where the church will grow. Out of prayer and everyone witnessing, we won't be able to help planting churches and watching the church grow. It's not something we'll have to drive or muster up. It will happen naturally as a result. So that's what we stand for as a family of churches. E plus E equals C. And that's that second E I just want to focus on for the next half an hour or so. Everyone a witness. It's about keeping the mission central, but not just for the paid experts or the ones who seem to be particularly good at it. It's actually something we can all, in different ways, play a part in. And I trust I'll help remove some of the uh, kind of natural emotional obstacles that we can find in that. When some of us can find it hard, I know we can be quite daunted. But it is for all of us. Jesus said in Matthew 28, Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. The disciples, the, the 11 disciples at the time, were meant to pass on to any new believers everything they've been taught, which includes going to all the world and make disciples, teaching them to do everything that Jesus has told us. And when you make those disciples, they need to pass on. <laughs> it becomes a generational thing. and We are all meant to be involved in that. And this legacy of discipleship begins with evangelism. So I want to make this practical. I want to make it easy for you. Um, I know we talked about some practical tips in the past, even in recent weeks when we were going through the book of Acts. We were talking about um, what it means to be smiley people. Do you remember that? Smile, S-M-I-L-E, smile. The S, strangely enough, stands for smile. Smile at people. Us Brits are rubbish at that. Our natural facial expression is which could mean I'm really, really happy right now. <laughs> or it could mean, oh, you really upset me. You can't tell, can you? Smile at people. Let them know. You've got joy in the Lord. Let them know you're saved, just with a smile. It can break the ice. As soon as you make eye contact with someone smiling, something happens, and sometimes that might become a conversation, which might become more. Smile. We can all do that. I bet we can. Brush your teeth more if you're worried about what it might look like. <laughs> M, Meals. Food does a lot for community. Food does a lot for evangelism. Invite your neighbours around for a cup of tea or a meal or you're one of your workmates. Get to know people. Take them out for a meal. Whatever it might be. But food breaks down barriers, doesn't it? I, invitational, is just about a culture of being invitational, being open to invite people around. If someone turns up on the doorstep, your first thought should be, how, how much longer are they going to be here? It should be, do you want to come in for a cup of tea? 
If you're naturally busy, that's fine. If you're in the middle of something. But invite me. Do you want to come in? It's the invitation. More often than not, people say, no, I'm fine, thanks. But it's the invitation. It makes all the difference to them. And they go away remembering that. Be invitational natural, naturally in your conversation and in your conduct. L, listening. Be listening. Not just to the words people are saying and trying to try not to forget the bit that you want to say on the back of it and not really listening to what they're saying. We're all good at that, aren't we? Listening beneath the questions. Listening beneath what they're saying and just trying to feel their heart, feel the pulse of what they're saying. You get to know people in a strong way, in a big way. If you can listen more than just the words, listen to the heart beneath what people are saying. And E, ever praying. Always be praying. Keep praying for people. We can be smiley people. We can all do some of that, can't we? You never know what God might do with that and what he might unlock. But there's three other things I want to share today. Some, I'll give some tools for your toolbox, which this chapter talks about if you read the book. They're called Words, Works and Wonders. Three W's, Words, Works and Wonders. Let's look at each of those. Can we have, we've got the slide up. Thank you very much. Words. Let's look at each of these in turn. This is something that all of us can be involved in. We don't have to be daunted. Luke chapter 12, verse 11 to 12 says, Jesus says this. He says, When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. We can panic sometimes. But actually, when somebody asks us a question or somebody even... even we don't really face persecution in this country, let's be honest. It might be coming. It might be coming. I think it is. But at the moment, we don't really face what we might call persecution. But we can have digs and people having a go at us at work, taking the mickey out of us at work, always trying to catch us out. We don't need to be anxious. All we need to do is find a confidence in knowing what I believe. Is that true? Then why am I nervous? They're the ones who should be providing a defence for why they disagree. <laughs> and yet they try and put us on the pedestal to, to come up with a defence. Actually, it's the other way around. Finding a confidence, not arrogantly, but finding a confidence in that. The word good news, it comes from the word evangel, evangel, E-V-A-N-G-E-L, evangel. It just means good news. So an evangelist is someone who shares the good news. And the trouble is we put the evangelists up on this throne, they're the experts, evangelists with a capital E, they're really good at it, we'll leave them to get on with the evangelism and I'll be over here if you need me. However, we're all meant to be evangelists with a little E. You see, the evangelists get, they get mentioned in Ephesians 4. The, it, Jesus has given us apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers not to do the job for us, but to equip us for ministry. Prophets are meant to equip us to be more prophetic individually and corporately. Evangelists are meant to equip us to be more evangelistic. The job's for all of us to do. Some people are really gifted in helping us do that better. And so evangelism is just sharing the good news. And you can do that just by sharing your stories. What Christ has done for you is true and is very powerful. It's another reason why we're trying to get more two-minute testimonies at the beginning of meetings. These are stories where Christ has worked miracles. Salvation is the biggest miracle of all, more than any others. We need to celebrate it. Ollie getting saved is just remarkable. Remarkable. It's a miracle. You can tell these stories. And when you know it's true, don't be put off by other people trying to catch you out, even if you don't know the answer. Just rely on Holy Spirit. He may well give you the right answer at the time. Or just rely on the fact that it's true. I haven't got a problem with that. You might. Therefore, it's your problem. (laughs) 
It's not an arrogant thing, it's just the truth. But our words are so important, we do need to speak up. Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Makes sense, doesn't it? If they don't believe him, they're not going to call on him. And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? We need to point to Christ with our lips as much as our conduct. 2 Timothy 1 verse 8 also says, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Don't be ashamed of it. If he's done this amazing work in you, why should we be ashamed of it for fear of what other people think of us? However insignificant you may feel your story is compared to others, or however weird it might sound to other people, it might do. Either way, it's true. So tell it. Embrace it. We can all share our stories. Not just how you came to Christ, but what he's been doing for you ever since. Little stories. Story, not mere information, is how people's hearts are one. Wally, Wally loves to tell people about Christ. Wally loves to tell people about what Christ has done for him. Wally's a great example. Adrian's another great example as well. I was going to get him to come and share some of his story, but the youth need him today, and they're just as important as we are, so we let them have him. So they're out there. But Adrian, Adrian can't help talking to people on the train about Christ. There's three guys in particular who he's been building up relationship with them, just making friends, friendship, walking with them to the station, sitting together on the train. And it's come to a point where the conversations have led to the fact that he can't help telling them about Christ. And he's doing that on a packed train in front of everyone else. He just gets on with it. He's not ashamed because he just knows it's true. Adrian is really, really good at that. And it's led to the point now, even when he's nervous, he gets on with it. When we were at our leadership conference last uh, June, um, some of us went out one evening onto the main road outside the King Centre there. It's the one road that has the most 999 calls in the country. So there's about 30 odd of us all went out there to actually just speak to the people, speak to the nightclub owners and the bouncers and the homeless and the buskers. It's all about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And some of us went out and most of us were terrified. But we just thought, Do you know what? If what he's put in me is true, ultimately, what's the problem? It's in here. I'm causing the problem. I'm causing the anxiety. And we went out. Adrian ended up spending 10 minutes with a homeless guy, talking to him about Christ and praying for him. The guy let him pray for him as well. He doesn't know where that homeless guy is now, but he did it. And that's all Christ asks us to do, just to be obedient, to be faithful. We can all share our stories. Words, that's one tool for our toolbox. And on the back of just telling your story, it actually leads to room to explain why and who Christ is and what he's done. Words. Second one, works. Galatians chapter 2, verse 10 says, They, this is James, Peter and John, asked us, Paul and his friends, to remember the poor. Remember the poor. In James chapter 1, verse 27, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Remember the poor. Jesus showed us how to care for those around us. He stopped. He gave people time. He listened to them. He met, he met them where they're at. He healed them. This is about loving our friends through everyday acts of kindness. goes a long way. Can we all do that? I think we can. It's about caring for our neighbours and our family in times of need. It can be about initiatives in the community. It can be about bigger things. 
as well. We've got CAP going on as a church in conjunction with others. We do our free debt advice, um, which again, we end up in people's homes. And the first thing John will say to people is, is it all right if I pray with you? Not, I don't think anyone's turned him down yet. It's just because we're serving them. It opens doors for other things as well. Food bank, we provide food for those who are on the bread line, literally, in our town with other churches. We've got the street pastors go out every Friday night. We've got Youth Hub going on on Friday night as well. We're serving the community. We're looking after the poor. And poor is more than just a financial issue. It can be emotional poor, spiritually poor, etc. as well. But of course, there are also private, individual opportunities. And I know between you, there's been lots of that going on, even recently. And thank you so much. I said thank you a few weeks ago. I'll say it again. Thank you for what you do for each other, but also for others outside the church. You don't know how many of those occasions will actually lead to salvation. It opens the door. Emma, do you want to come and tell us your story? Come here, mate. Emma, come and join me in my micro pub. Good, isn't it? Got our bar stools here, look. Now, most of you know Emma, not all of you may know the full story. You've been with us now for eight years. Yeah. Is it eight years? Amazing. On and off. On and off. She's floated, she's been orbiting Beacon Church and then going off on this little trajectory and then coming back again. And then she's back for a while and she's gone again. Can you tell us why on earth you first came along? Is it on? Can you tell us it is on? Can you tell us why on earth you even first came to Beacon Church one Sunday morning in the first place? Okay, because I moved to Herne Bay from Canterbury about eight years ago. I'd been through drug addiction and I'd been in prison. I'd just come out of prison. I'd lost my home and everything. I'd lost my eldest son and I decided I wanted to change my life. So I moved to Herne Bay for a fresh start. And I didn't have, uh, I found a flat to live in, but I didn't have any furniture and I didn't really know what to do. And then my mum suggested ringing the local churches to see if anybody could help me with furniture and things like that. And so I got a little list together of the local churches. I phoned them all up and three or four of them said, yeah, we'll help you and come round. And, and they all met me and sort of, they all sort of said, oh, we'll give you this or we'll help you with that. And they came round, met them all, and then they went. But I remember in particular, John came, come round, and he was really kind, and he's like, look, we'll help you with this. I'll take you to necessary furniture. I'll get you this and that. And then, so he, he came round, and then um, afterwards he said, um, would you like to come to the, we're, we're having a meal. I think it was just a few days later. We're having a meal at our church. Um, it was for the Alpha course, which I didn't know what that was. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. But um, I felt a little bit like, oh, going to church, you know, that's not really my kind of thing. But I thought, oh, I ought to, you know, be grateful and thankful to them for what they've done for me, so I'd better go. So <laughs> I went along, and I just remember in the Beacon Centre, sitting there, and there was Joe was there, and Helen, and Steve, and... Uh, Eileen, David, I think David and Mark, I don't know, but quite a few people were there. And I was like walking in thinking, oh, I feel a bit out of place. But everybody was just so nice and kind and welcoming to me. And, um, and I thought, oh, this is quite nice. And I met some, and I, in particular, I sort of got quite good friends with Helen. Um, and then I think after that, um, they invited me to church if I said, you know, you don't have to come. And John never sort of put it on me like, you should come and 
spoke about God and Jesus or anything like that, be just, you know, you're very welcome to come. And so I went away and I thought about, oh, I don't really know about all this, but maybe I'll give it a go. I thought they're really nice people. So I started going. Yeah. And I loved it. And I just, I didn't really know anything about God. I've never been brought up. And, and my parents aren't religious or, sorry, Christians. Um, I didn't really bother with it at school. And so I didn't really know anything about being a Christian. Um, uh, and I didn't, I sort of came along thinking, oh, well, I don't have to actually worry about the God side of thing. I can just meet, the, you know, go and have a good time and things like that. So, yeah, so I started going. And Brilliant. So in terms of salvation, it was years later, yeah. seven or eight years later until... Christmas, New Year this time. It's all clicked into place. For, that's a whole other story, isn't it? Yeah. We'll do that at your baptism, that one, yeah. shall we? But um, get baptised next month? Yes. Yeah. We'll give you more details later. So what's been going on in all that time, in between, what kept you coming back? What do you think it was? I, don't, I think it was like... Um, I was a bit curious. It's like... I, um, what's, I can't think of the word, but... It's like, I used to come to the church and everybody would be singing and praying and, oh, you know, you know all those kind of things. And I'd be like, looking around thinking, these people are mad, you know. And they're talking to God. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Like, and I used, to say, I used to think, come on then, God, show, you know, if, if you know, I want to sort of believe these people. I want to believe what they're saying and everything. But I need you to kind of like show yourself to me. You know, nothing happened, nothing happened. And then all of a sudden last year, a bit like what Ollie said, the penny dropped. Amen. And that was it. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Emma. Give her a round of applause. Cheers, buddy. Thank you, mate. Well, it took another seven years. It's God's timing, isn't it? Yeah. Another seven years for the penny to drop. She kept coming back because there was a warm, welcoming community that were willing to just minister, just roll our sleeves up, just to love people. Started off with some furniture. <laughs> John, happy to give you a lift to necessary furniture. We can all do that, can't we? And look, look what's happened. There's a new baby in the family. There was a party in heaven in the new year. It's just, this is what it's about. All of us can get involved in works as well as words. Here's the thing. People don't want to hear your testimony when they're struggling to put food on the plate or need help with childcare. However, putting food on their plate and helping with childcare drops the barriers builds relationship and you never know what God might do with that in terms of opportunities to bring the words in on the back of it. Keep your ear low to the ground for needs. Keep a listen out. Keep your ear low to the ground for needs and high to the heavens for prompts. Keep your ear low to the ground for any needs that are in the, not just in our community but in the people around us as well. But then the other here just listening to the Holy Spirit and just looking for prompts to get involved to step in and see what God does with it. Because even just some furniture and a lift can lead to salvation. Amen. Third one, because we're running out of time, wonders. Words, works and wonders. Acts chapter 6, verse 8, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. We are a supernatural people. We are. If you're a Christian, if you're saved, if you've committed your life to Christ, Holy Spirit has birthed something new in you and he resides in you. And this is the same Holy Spirit who rose Jesus from the dead. He's in you. Imagine what he could do through you. Yeah? We are supernatural people. And it's about learning to partner 
with the Holy Spirit. And as we rely on him, we will naturally, as you're listening to his voice and as, as you're allowing him just to stir a heart of worship in you, as you do that, you naturally want to step out more in praying for healing and salvation. You find a greater confidence in him and not in your abilities to pray for people. You naturally end up expecting in faith to receive words of knowledge. That's something I've struggled with. I've not really received them. But the more I've just been willing to listen out and are you saying something right now, I've had words of knowledge for people that completely unlock the conversation in a whole other way it would never have done otherwise. It's just Holy Spirit just dropping something in. Go, ask him this. It's, it takes time to learn to hear his voice. But it comes. And as we learn to partner with the Holy Spirit more, we'll have more courage and obedience to move in the supernatural when God inspires us to do so. The word miracles has been spoken over us as a church. And we have seen some. We have seen some. But we... We're expecting more of them, but not so we have fab stories to tell our friends. That's not the point of it. The point is so Christ is made, mu- made much of and people turn to him. That's what miracles do. There are different kinds. There are healings, there are money miracles, there are eye-opening and timely changes in circumstances, extraordinary happenings. And we see them throughout the book of Acts, we've seen them throughout church history, we still see them today. Signs and wonders endorse the word that has been spoken, but they also pave the way up to it being spoken. It's not always before or after, it's both. Words and wonders open doors for people to go, what was that? Let me tell you about Jesus. Or you speak about Jesus and go, people go, well, that's an interesting story, and then that happens. They go, it's not just a story, is it? <laughs> it works both ways. It works both ways. And in fact, Ollie's story earlier about how you know, answers to prayer unlock things. This is more than just some fairy tale. There's something real going on here. Should we have another story? Another testimony? Yeah, Yeah, Louise. Come on down. Louise has got a couple of stories to tell about the supernatural, what God's done for her. First of all, does everybody know Louise? Yeah, good. Ollie's wife, in case you haven't quite clicked yet. (laughs) So, Louise, we've loved having you guys with us over the recent months. You've just been a real blessing. You're, you're a brilliant family. We love you. It would be really, really great for these guys to hear a bit about your story in terms of wonders, in terms of God moving in the supernatural. Something happened when you were 12, I believe. Could you just tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah. Um, I'd just started secondary school, and um, one of the teachers there was a Christian and he sort of had this Christian group at lunchtime, and um, he was showing videos of this evangelical um, guy who was traveling around different countries and performing miracles, and so he was showing videos, and I went along to watch with a friend and thought, oh, wow, that looks amazing. Um, and the, uh, he said, oh, this guy's coming to Maidstone. Um, I'm taking a, a bus up there so any of you who want to come and see him you can come so I really wanted to go and watch I thought this looks incredible um, and but so I went home and told my mum and dad and they weren't very happy about it at all they were like no I, I'm not happy this doesn't sound you know I, I, but I said I really really want to go so they said okay if you want to go then um, we'll take you we don't want you going with the school we'll take you so they took me with some friends of theirs who were in the Salvation Army, actually. They got them to come along as well. And we all, we all went along. But on, on the day that we were going, I just suddenly 
just, I mean, I, it's hard to know what it was because I didn't feel unwell, but I had this awful pain in my throat. It literally felt like someone was scraping my throat from the inside. And um, so I went along and sat and was sort of curious about what was going on. And then um, he got to this part of his service or what I don't really know what you'd call it but the part of this event where he was saying okay I'm going to perform some he we're going to do some healing now anybody who has anything they'd like to heal put a hand on it and you know believe that you will, you will be healed and you'll be healed so I said to my mum and dad oh I'm gonna I'm gonna have a go at this because <laughs> I'm in real pain and they were like oh, okay yeah go on so I put my hand on my throat and I swallowed and it was just it, real, real, real pain. And then I swallowed again and it was just gone. Completely <laughs> gone. And not just gone, but it was like my throat had been taken out. Or like, I can only describe it like having cream poured down my throat or something like that. It just felt amazing. So then no. I just started to freak out and I went, it's gone, it's gone. And I stood up and started, get me out of here! <laughs> Which is kind of a funny reaction, really, now that I look back on it. But I was absolutely terrified. And, um, but the next day, it was amazing. It, fe it felt amazing that this had happened. And obviously, that's something that stayed with me through life. And every now and again, I've kind of felt it creep up. Like, oh, you remember that time? You know, you're going to have to think about that one day. Um, but yeah, until recently, obviously, it's something that I've just kind of pushed aside and, and got on with life. Brilliant. So there's this little memory that keeps bubbling up. God's done something and he keeps reminding you every now and again. Fast forward just a few short years till a few weeks ago. We won't count the number. Um, <laughs> for just a few years. What happened a few weeks ago during Christianity and Wrapped, or leading up to that, I guess, yeah. as well? Well, I've been coming along to Christian. Obviously, I was only here for Callum. I wasn't here <laughs> for me. Um, and I, but, but I'm fascinated by people and the, the reasons they believe what they believe. So I was really interested to do Christianity Unwrapped and didn't expect, didn't, honestly didn't expect to be taken by the message or anything like that. But... Um, after a few weeks, I could just start to feel something shift in me. And I've, I've had lots of things happen over my life, lots of wonderful things that, I've, that I just didn't attribute to God or to Jesus, that I, 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 I suppose I had my own sense of spirituality that had nothing to do with, with religion or, or with Jesus. So th little things started to happen, and, but I was kind of used to that. But this time they were happening and they were pointing me to, 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 to church and to Jesus. So I thought, well, I've just got to trust this. I've trusted it until now, so I, I need to trust this. But it kind of reached this point where I could feel the, I could feel the pull, I suppose. I could feel the stirring. And then all of a sudden, this just fear descended over me. And I couldn't sleep. I was waking up in the night feeling like something awful was about to happen with this sense of dread. I just felt sick all the time. It was just... I, I was thinking things like, 
or you can't go to church anymore. Everyone there thinks you're stupid. You just, you've just got to stop coming. You know, you can't, you can't go anymore. Um, just, just run in the other direction. You don't want anything to do with this. Um, and I went, but something told me that I had, to, I had to keep on. I had to kind of get through this. So I went to Christianity Unwrapped one week and said to um, Steve and Bev, you know, this has been happening. It's just, I'm just tormented constantly. And um, they said, we'll pray for you. So I said, yes, please. And they did. And um, nothing happened immediately. But I went home and just had the best night's sleep. <laughs> yeah. And then I woke up the next day and it was just gone. This fear and this feeling was just gone. And I just had this knowledge that all I needed to do was say, I only listen to Jesus now and that it, would, it wouldn't come back, you know, that it, that it would be gone. And that's what happened. Yeah. Praise God. Praise <laughs> God. Thank you, Louise. You see, wonders present themselves in different ways. It's not always short legs getting longer. That's one of them. But it, they present, we need to not diminish our expectation of the kind of things that God does in the supernatural realm. There's different things about immense fear and we've been praying with someone else who, who went through very similar just a week later. And straight away, Jesus presented himself to her. Just in that moment, literally. Wonders are more than just what we expect miracles to look like. We need to expect the unexpected and that includes not defining to God what we expect his answer to be. <laughs> Does that make sense? But just expect that as we partner with the Holy Spirit, I need to wrap up quite quickly now, but as we partner with the Holy Spirit, one thing I'm learning more and more, I've been reading a book by a friend of mine called Anna Goodman. Um, her husband Daniel is one of the leaders at City Church Cambridge, and Anna's written this book. She's really growing in the prophetic. And the book's called Face to Face. It's only two, three quid. You can get it online. I can point you its way. It's a really, really helpful book, full of bullet points about growing in the prophetic. And one thing that stuck out to me most is she says that we need to remember that God speaks to us in a whisper. And that you read the story with um, Elijah, 1 Kings, what's the chapter? I didn't make a note. 1 Kings 19, I think it is. The prophet Elijah, there, there's, there's a strong wind and he said God wasn't in the wind. And there was an earthquake and God wasn't in the earthquake. And there was a great fire and God wasn't in the fire. And then there was this little whisper. And that's when God spoke. And she's saying, we, we can just drown out God's whisper with the busyness of life. And we don't, get, don't have time to spend with him, so to speak, is how we view it. And we just drown him out with the busyness and the white noise of life. And she's saying the reason God whispers, for, for you to hear someone whispering, you need to get close. And what he's doing is drawing us in. Do you want to hear what I'm saying? And you're kind of you're leaning in. I can't hear what you're saying. It's look, come a bit closer. Now you can hear me clearly. It's about relationship. It's not about the big lights and bangs and whistles. God has spoken and the ground has shaken. It's the whisper. What he's doing if, we, if it really bothers us, he's drawing us in. And it's learning to hear that quiet whisper. And as we do, we learn to partner with the Holy Spirit. And we know when to step in with words, with works, with wonders. These little tools in our toolboxes or on our tool belts. Partnering with the Holy Spirit throughout. At the heart of relational mission is the, is the desire to reach people and then plant churches. E plus E equals C. You see, we can try and plant churches and maybe some extra people are reached. But all you do, if you just keep doing that, 
You just end up getting more Christians from other churches come and join you, just moving around, moving around the deck chairs on the Titanic. It's not really very helpful. But if we reach people, and as we grow, God will lead us where to reach out next and plant churches from and reach people and grow. Reach people and grow. We are called to make disciples. See, when we try and make the church, sometimes we'll get disciples. When we make disciples, we will always, always get the church. Big difference. And discipleship is enabled by evangelism, which we can all play a part in. I'm just going to wrap up now, but I trust that it's been helpful and that it's been practical and it's jogged your thoughts and your hearts particularly. But I'll say this. If you want to take a bolder step in sharing the good news of Jesus, I'm going to invite you to stand up in a minute. It doesn't matter if you sit down, just if you, if you feel that's what you want to do. If you want to say, no, before God, right now, I want to take a bolder step when the opportunities arrive. Only two. If you want to take a bolder step in sharing the love of Christ through words, through works, through wonders, I'm going to ask you to stand. Please don't stand up because you feel um, the odd one out or because you feel guilty. Just stand up if you, this is what you genuinely want to do. There was one thing the disciples or the apostles asked in the book of Acts um, when they were asked you know, to pray for them. They said, we, we want to be bolder. Even they asked that. We all need boldness, but it's finding that confidence in the word we're sharing, not in our ability to share it. So I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to invite you to stand. Lord Jesus, we recognise you as the eternal Son of God. You said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to you. Therefore, we must go and make disciples. We must share the good news, what it is you've done for us and for others. Lord, we just... Lord, we're just frail, feeble human beings and we get it wrong and we trip up and we make mistakes. But Lord, we want to learn increasingly to rely on you, to hear your whisper by Holy Spirit as we get to know you more. So here we are. Lord, we, we want to give ourselves over to you. Those of you that want to stand with me, then please stand right now and just say, we want to take that bolder step in the next day, in the next week, the next month, the next year and beyond. Help us to be consciously aware, keeping our ear to the ground for needs and our ears to heaven for the prompts to know where it is you want us to move, who it is you want us to serve with rolling our sleeves up and getting involved, just caring for them and loving them, speaking out when we need to speak out, praying for people when we need to pray for them. Offering to pray can be a big stumbling block for many of us. Teach us just to be willing to offer it, even to be rebuffed. It's okay, we've been obedient to you. Lord, here we are, your people. We say, the Holy Spirit, will you come upon us even right now? Stir us deeper into our calling, deeper into our mission. Stir us to run after you even more that we might then go into all the world and make disciples. We pray these things in the the name of the almighty Jesus Christ. Son of the living God, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. If you've got any questions, if you want to know more, if you want prayer for anything, please do come and ask. Refreshments are available, but there's no coffee. Oh, it's changed again. Oh, yeah, it's instant coffee. Oh, there's tea. Drinks are now available. And...